This sermon is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor David Kogel. I want you to think about this tonight, and probably I know the answer that everyone here would say if I ask you, do you believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ? And certainly most of you would say yes, but I guarantee you we probably know somebody that has questioned the resurrection of Christ. We know somebody that does not believe that Jesus rose from the dead. And that is what I want to get to you tonight, is the proofs of the resurrection. Uh, whenever we think about the Easter time, I was uh, tickled that uh, my grandson, he's six years old, and they were singing some songs about the resurrection. And you know that song, He Arose, He Arose, Hallelujah, He Arose, Up from the Grave He Arose. When Nolan's version, I got to hear it, was Up from the Gravy Rose. <laughs> the Gravy Rose. That's what he hears, I guess. But it, it's neat to get our children acquainted with the resurrection. I like that. And he's at that age where he really starts to listen to you and comprehend and hear these things. And I'm a firm believer in telling our children and our grandchildren about the resurrection of Christ. Amen? All right, let's get into the Word tonight. I want to read through this, the account in Matthew chapter 28. And I'm going to read through it rather quickly and not really comment on it right now. But I want you to notice this account in Matthew 28. It says, In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and other Mary to see the sepulcher. Behold, there was a great earthquake. For the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. Pay attention to some of the details. His countenance was like light and his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. And the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said, Come see the place where the Lord lay. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he goeth before you into Galilee, and there shall you see him, lo, I have told you. And they departed quickly from the sepulcher with fear and great joy, and did run to bring his disciples' word. But look who they ran into. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them and saying, All hail, and they came and held him by his feet and worshipped him. Then said Jesus unto them, Be not afraid, go tell my brethren that they go into Galilee, and there shall they see me. Now when they were going, behold, some of the watch came into the city and showed unto the chief priests all the things that were done. And when they were assembled with the elders and taken counsel, they gave large money unto the soldiers, saying, Say ye, his disciples came by night and stole him away while we slept. And if this come to the governor's ears, 
we will persuade him and secure you. So they took the money and did as they were taught, and this saying is commonly reported among the Jews until this day. How about that? This is the time of the year where we start thinking about Easter and all that goes with it. We have Palm Sunday coming up. We talk about the betrayal and the trial of Jesus, the crucifixion, and most importantly, we talk about the resurrection. You know, as I was praying about and considering what to teach, pastor asked me maybe a month ago what I teach on this Wednesday night, and I prayed about it and prayed about it, and I decided that the Lord wanted me to do a little equipping of the saints tonight. You know, the Bible says that that's what we should do, equip the saints. And so I want to do that. And I'm dealing specifically with the proof of the resurrection. And the reason that I want to look at it, and the reason that it is so important, and remember this, the entire Christian faith rests on the doctrine of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You see, I'm so thankful Jesus died for me. I, I can't thank Him enough for that. But He, he isn't a dead Savior. He's a, a living, risen Savior. And that's what makes the difference. Look at what 1 Corinthians 15, 17 says. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is in vain, and ye are yet sinners. If Christ be not raised, then what, we, what are we believing in? We believe in a risen Savior. Our faith is not in vain, and we are not in sin. We have forgiveness of sins because of what Jesus did. So really, when you take away the resurrected Savior, you might as well forget it. You might as well say, you're not, you're not putting your mind on something that's going to count. But I'm thankful for a risen Savior. You know, back in the early 1900s, it was amazing, I read about this, a group of lawyers met in England to discuss the biblical accounts of Jesus' resurrection that were given to us in the Gospels. They wanted to do this. They wanted to study every account and see if it was enough information to make a case that would hold up in the court of law. And they concluded this, Christ's resurrection was one of the most well-established facts in all of history. And praise the Lord for that. Over 2,000 years since the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and there have been a lot of people who have denied the resurrection. And the crazy thing is, they come up with these theories and try to disprove it. And a lot of times, people are so gullible that they just can't wait to grab a hold of some of these theories and say, yeah, I like that. I'm going with that. You know, to me, it's harder to go with these theories than it is to believe the gospel, amen. So, after all, if there is no resurrection, and this is what they're trying to do, if there's no resurrection, then there's no Christianity, and if there's no Christianity, then there's no God, or at least not the God of the Bible. And if there is no God, then there is no judgment, and that's what people want. 
They want to live like they want to live and they don't want to be judged for it. They don't think a day of accounting is coming. So they want to do everything they can to get rid of that. But think about it for a minute. The Pharisees were very religious people, but they denied that Jesus was raised from the dead. The Sadducees, they were very religious people, and they denied the resurrection. A side note about the Sadducees, the problem with them is their name. They're sad, you see. If I believe like they did, I'd be sad also. Muslims are very religious, but they reject the resurrection. And there are many other religious groups out there that reject and they deny the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And like I said, they have come up with these crazy theories and they try to disprove the true doctrine of the Bible. So I want to look at some of those crazy theories tonight and I hope that you'll see how crazy they are. And maybe you'll run across someone that believes in some of these and you'll be able to help them out. Number one theory is the swoon theory. The swoon theory. What is that? The swoon theory says that Jesus never died on the cross. He just passed out from the shock of all the beating, all the things that took place. He was put in a tomb and the aroma of the spices and the coolness of the tomb revived him. Well, it's not a very well thought out theory. I mean, you think about it for a minute. Here's someone who has been beaten beyond recognition, lost a whole lot of blood. The Roman soldiers that crucified him were experts at crucifixion. They know what they were doing. They knew how to, they carried out many crucifixions. They knew exactly how to make sure that someone was going to die in the crucifixion part of it. In fact, that's why later on they actually stabbed Jesus in his side with a spear rather than break his legs. And you probably, many of you know that story about breaking the legs of a person being crucified on the cross because the weight of hanging there with nails in their hands and feet and then being able to push up on those nails to get another breath and continue on living just a little bit longer. So what would they do at a certain point? Time was up. They're no longer going to stand around and watch this. They go and break the legs of the person on there so that they could no longer push up and take another breath. What did they do when they came to Jesus? They came to Jesus and recognized He had already died. He was not no longer... In fact, they did not break His legs. And that was a prophecy in the Bible that said not a bone would be broken. Little did they know they were carrying it out, did they? But they certainly did. So they had a good eye on what was going on with Jesus on the cross. They knew what was happening. That spear was a fatal wound as well. It was near the heart. You can imagine if it goes in at this angle, they would be standing down and 
pushing the spear up, it would go in at this angle and up towards the heart. So certainly that's why that we know that it, he brought forth blood and water poured out. But if Jesus did survive the severe beating that he took, he survived the crucifixion, he survived the spear that was in his side, then he would have had to survive three days in the tomb without food or water, without any medical assistance, get up, roll the stone away, overcome the Roman soldiers that were placed at the guard, and then walk seven miles to Emmaus on his feet that were pierced with nails. That sounds pretty ridiculous to me that he would just be swooned and not dead. Amen? Real ridiculous. If you believe that theory, I'm going to pray for you. And I hope I've changed your mind. The number two theory is that he was buried someone, somewhere else. Buried somewhere else. You see, others say the body of Jesus wasn't actually buried in the tomb. You see, the criminals that were on each side of Jesus, you don't read in the Bible that anyone came and begged for their bodies. In fact, it was a pretty ridiculous, nasty thing that they would do. They would have a pit dug that they would throw these bodies into. So folks have come up with this thing that they took Jesus and just threw him in the pit with these criminals. But if that's the case, then why bother sealing the tomb? If you're just going to take his body and throw it in a pit with the others. Why get guards in place on the tomb if no one was in there to begin with? And if that's what they did, the Jews could have easily went to the trash pit when the people begin to say, say Jesus was resurrected and say, no, come here, let me show you. I got his body right over here in the pit. But they couldn't do that because it wasn't there. So the Jewish leaders could have said, oh no, he's not alive, but he's right here in this trash pit. He's with these criminals that we buried here and here's his body, but they couldn't do that. They couldn't bring that out. So it sounds, once again, pretty ridiculous to me if you would come up with this theory that you were buried somewhere else theory. But we know that Joseph of Arimathea begged for the body of Jesus. He made sure he had the body. He made sure that he put him in a tomb that had never been used. And, of course, we know that they, the women came as well and saw all of this taking place. So, buried somewhere else theory certainly doesn't hold up. Number three is the hallucinating theory. I like this one. There are others who say that everyone who saw Jesus after the crucifixion was just hallucinating. They wanted to see Jesus so bad that they projected their imaginations upon everyone else and they began to hallucinate. Now, I ask you this, how could over 500 people at one time have the same hallucination that they saw Jesus? It can't happen. 
Many of those 500 didn't even believe that there would be a resurrection, but they saw Jesus. They thought it was all over when Jesus died, but once again, they saw Him. And again, like the theory I just mentioned, if it was a hallucination, the Jews could have easily produced the body of Jesus and say, listen, y'all are all delusional. Here's His dead body right here. Why didn't they do that? They couldn't do it. Jesus was alive. So once again, a ridiculous theory of hallucination. And there are many other theories out there. And all of them are just as ridiculous. In fact, I would say that there are only two that I would only give half credit theories to. And one of them is offered by Islam. And number four brings us to that theory, and it was someone else theory. Someone else. Now, how do you come up with that? Well, the Muslims say that it wasn't even Jesus who was nailed to the cross because after a severe beating, no one could recognize him as anyway. So he wasn't recognized. That wasn't him. That was just someone else. But the problem with that theory is this. When Jesus appeared, you remember he appeared later on in the upper room and Thomas wasn't there, remember that? Came in the upper room. What did he do? He said, he showed them his hands, his feet. He, he spoke to them. He mentioned everything that had gone, he had gone through. And Thomas wasn't there. Remember, Thomas didn't believe. He said, unless I see that, I'm not going to believe. And later on, he had that opportunity. But Islam teaches that Jesus was a prophet. They teach that he was without sin. But to tell his disciples that he was indeed crucified and risen when he wasn't would make him a liar. So, this is the problem. Jesus had the scars of crucifixion. He had them. Remember the pastor mentioned the only man-made thing in heaven? Are the scars that men put in his hands. He did miracles after the resurrection. And again, we have to ask, where was the body? Well, sounds pretty ridiculous to me. You won't find a dead body. You find a living body. So, it was someone else theory will never, never hold up. Jesus showed people who, what had happened to Him. There were people there that saw the crucifixion. They knew who was being crucified. They knew who was hanging on the cross. And the Bible gives many account of all the things that took place during the crucifixion. And so, as we get to these theories, I hope to show you that every one of them does not hold up in a world that we live in today. Now, I said there was two, and the other one is I saved this one for the last, and this is what we saw in the Gospel account according to Matthew. And that is the disciples stole the body of Jesus. You say, well, that's, that was in the Bible. And that's why people get that and they get it all mixed up. And they think that. But I want to show you some things about this theory 
that we really need to take a look at. So let's go back to Matthew 28 for just a minute and maybe pick up around verse number 10, if you can get that on there. Then said Jesus unto them, Be not afraid, go tell my brethren that they go into Galilee, and there shall they see me. Well, first of all, the women that were headed back to tell the disciples, you say, wait a minute, the disciples weren't there? They, did, they, they didn't steal the body of Jesus and already have it off somewhere? Well, here we are. They, they, the women got to go back and tell them. So it already starting to fall apart with this. <clears throat> but once again, we're seeing Jesus himself appearing to the women. So he appears to them. Now this is what I want you to see in verse 11. Now when they were going, this is the women going, behold some of the watch. Who is that? That's the soldiers that were watching the tomb. So the women are headed in one direction to the disciples. The watch, the soldiers, are headed to another direction into the city. And they are coming to show unto the chief priests all the things that were done. So they're, they're coming because they're, they know they're in trouble. They know that Jesus is not in the tomb. They know that they were supposed to keep watch. They were supposed to be a seal there. The stone was supposed to still be in the same place. And all of that has changed. So they're upset about that. And rightly so. So Mary had come to the tomb. She found the tomb empty. The angel gave her the message. Told her to go tell the disciples. And so they're off to do that. But these soldiers are going to tell the priest. And they're going to tell them everything that they know has taken place. Look at verse number 12. And when they were assembled, or when they were assembled with the elders and had taken counsel, they gave large money unto the soldiers. So what happened? As they got there with their story and they began to tell the, the priest about it, then the priest said, we got to have a little meeting here. We got to get the Sanhedrin together. I mean, this, this is serious business. So what are we going to do? Well, let's come up with this one. Tell everyone the disciples came and stole the body. And they're saying, now don't you worry about Pilate. We'll take care of him. We'll let him know that you did a good job. You did everything that you could do. We'll cover for you so you won't get in trouble. Because the thing was this. If a Roman soldier fell asleep, especially on guard duty that they were on on this, they would be put to death. And they knew that. Don't forget, prior to this chapter, in chapter 27, the priest told Pilate that they were afraid that the disciples may try to steal the body of Jesus. So that's why they said, let's get the Roman soldiers, let's get them all in position, so we can prevent that from happening. But then Sunday came and the angel of the Lord appeared and rolled the stone away. Set upon the stone, the Bible says. So all of this, the soldiers are telling as they go back to the chief priest what happened here. Now what do you think the chief priest is going to say? 
is he going to say, whoa, the resurrection was real. Jesus really was who he said that he was. But instead, in verse 12, they called a meeting and they got the Sanhedrin together. And the Sanhedrin assembled. And what did they do? Well, my goodness, Jesus said he would do this. We were wrong. We need to repent. We need to believe in the Master here. We need to believe in Jesus. You think they did that? No. They actually resisted and sealed their faith. They had an opportunity to do that. But that's what Matthew's Gospel is telling us here. The apostasy of Israel was full and final. They had rejected God for too long. You remember back in the Old Testament, God sent prophets to help speak to them, tell them what they needed to hear? What did they do? They killed the prophets. And now, Jesus has come along, and what did they do to Him? They try to discredit Him on everything that He did and said. They tried to trip Him up. They eventually tried Him in a kangaroo court and killed Him on a cross. And then they were faced with the reality of the resurrection and they denied it, they rejected it, and they lied about it. So what, what is happening to them? Verse 15, look at Matthew and verse 15. So they took the money and did as they were taught. And this saying is commonly reported among the Jews to this day. So Matthew writes that the Jews were still using the excuse when he wrote this gospel some 30 years later after the resurrection had taken place. And you know what? The sad thing about it is there are people who still believe that lie today that the disciples stole the body of Jesus. But here's the amazing thing. This lie actually proves the resurrection. You think this through with me for a minute. So the disciples, okay, let's go along there with them for a minute. The disciples came and stole the body of Jesus away from the Roman soldiers while every one of them slept. I can see maybe one falling asleep. But every one of them? And is this the same disciples that weren't even expecting a resurrection? You know, when Jesus died on the cross, they thought it was final. Jesus had tried to tell them. Is this the same disciples that were so afraid that the Bible says they all forsook Him and fled? Now you think they're going to get together and go do the most dangerous job that they could do? <laughs> they were scared back then. Are this the same disciples who the boldest member, Peter, was afraid when a little girl confronted him and asked him had he been with Jesus. But yet, is he going to run down there and say, hey, let's go get Jesus out of there. Let's break him out. And how exactly did these disciples roll away that heavy stone, take the time to take the burial cloth and fold it and put it in its place, 
Listen, if I was getting the body of Jesus out of there, I'd be moving as quickly and fast as I could. I wouldn't be fooling with no cloth over here. But they're going to roll that thing out of the way while all the Roman soldiers are sleeping and they're not worried about it. Listen, they had been warned to especially be alert on the third day. So when sleeping on guard duty, knowing it was punishable by death, I guarantee you they had toothpicks holding their eyes up. But it wasn't going to help. And even if they were asleep, you tell me how the disciples overtook all of them, rolled the stone out of the way, and pulled the body of Jesus out and carried it away. How is that going to happen? It's not. It's not going to take place. And why exactly did the soldiers have to be bribed? You don't bribe someone to tell the truth. You bribe them to tell a lie. And why exactly weren't the disciples ever charged for the crime of stealing the body of Jesus? For breaking it into a sealed tomb? None of that's recorded, is it? I'll tell you why. Because the truth is that we need to realize it's not what people come up with. It's what the Word of God says. Throughout history, men far more brilliant than I am have studied the resurrection of Jesus Christ and have overwhelmingly come to the same conclusion. The resurrection is a true fact of the gospel. Remember what Romans 10.9 says? If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thy heart that what? God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Resurrection is based on salvation, isn't it? We have to believe that. Jesus is Lord. He is risen from the dead. Salvation belongs to those who believe that Jesus was raised from the dead. And the reason for that is because the resurrection validates the claims that Jesus made. Jesus said, I'm the Son of God. He said, "He and my father, me and my Father are one. And if, he, if He's not who He said He was, God wouldn't have raised Him from the dead. The resurrection shows us that we are redeemed, we are forgiven, we are made righteous before a holy and just God. The resurrection shows us the price that Jesus prayed on the cross. That's the only thing that could satisfy God's justice, amen? And appease God's wrath. Listen, without that, we'd be all headed to hell. But thank God, for a risen Savior. And because He rose again, our loved ones will rise again. And if we go by the grave, we'll rise again. And if not by the grave, we're going to rise out of this earth and go home in the rapture. Think about these crazy theories. They sound crazy to me. They sound crazy. But it's a shame that people believe them today. People bank on them today. People said there's no other way. But I'll tell you one thing. Jesus said, I am the way. I thank the Lord for what He did for me. For going to a cross for me. For going to a tomb for me. But most of all, for rising again for me. So I hope that you'll realize tonight these are the proofs 
of the resurrection. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. You listen to Pastor David Kogel. For more information, visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.